No, no, no. They, they on Wednesday night. They're already there. So I didn't know if he just didn't want to go or he wants to go. I know he wants to go somewhere. You can't keep a young man hemmed up very long. Okay. What were we studying when we got interrupted so many weeks ago? Huh? Now we're in chapter 17. But the book of what? What does Exodus stand for? What, is that just the name of the book? or The Exodus from Egypt, the, the leaving. The, the whole title of the book speaks about the leaving and going out and the experiences that they have and what God's trying to teach them. Is it relevant to today? Are we guessing? If it's not, then you're missing the whole thing. Folks, I, I've been a, a lot of years reading this Bible, over 40. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, we're not of the Old Testament. We're a New Testament people. Yeah, but I've got an Old Testament God. I've got an Old Testament God who dealt with Old Testament people who acted just like we do. And I ought to be able to learn something in the New Testament from some Old Testament people that made some mistakes just like New Testament people and realize that an Old Testament God is acting the same today as he did back then. So I really think it's pretty relevant your, your situation may be somewhat different, but your attitude and the way you act and the things you face will parallel many of these things. And, and the one we're going to do today is the water from the rock because I don't think I did this. Did you? Am I, am I in 18? Who was it? Somebody told me I was in 18. Huh? Because I don't remember teaching this, but anyway, I could have. I mean, that's not unusual. Not only is my hearing leaving, but something between the ears is not always working there either. But anyway, we're going to teach it again if we didn't. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, which is not sin nature, it's a it's a wilderness down in Mount Sinai, down in the Sinai Peninsula, according to the command of the Lord, encamped at a place called Rephidim. We do not know where that's at. Uh, one of my resources that I, I one of my professors had written a, um, uh, an atlas, and um, I, I go there pretty regular. And he called for a, he said it's probably an oasis. And he named which one it is. Because first of all, you're going back 5,000 years ago and trying to find it. That spot, Rephidim may not even be there right now, okay? Could have been an oasis, something then that's not even there now. But 
today's world, there is an oasis in what they think is in this area. And, and it makes sense that, that God would probably bring them there. But the problem is there's no water to drink. Now, an oasis is known for what? All right, water, which means there's trees, a lot of times date palms, various fruits growing out there in the middle of the desert. So you have shade, you have food. Animals come, drink the water, but they get there and there's no water. Now, when you look at this verse and talk about they moved in stages, God would pick them up and move them for a while and they would stop. And they would move for a while and they would stop. Because you can't just keep walking on and on in the wilderness, especially when you're looking at over a million people and stuff. So God would move them in stages from place to place. And, and so this would be a natural place that they would tend to want to go on a trade route because there's supposed to be water there. So in the natural sense, you'd think, okay, your, your hopes are up. You've, you've left one place of water, and now you're going to another, and you get there, and the spring is dried up. So what's the natural tendency of people? Always. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. Now, first of all, let's ask this question. Where in the world is Moses going to get this water they wanted him to give? You see, they're looking for the wrong deliverer. Moses is not the water boy. He's the one trying to lead them to where God's going to. So right off the bat, I see people who have still not learned to look to God for what they need. They're looking for man to provide what they need. And I'm going to tell you, man will always let you down because he cannot provide for all your needs. <clears throat> but what God's trying to do with some very hard-headed people, not all of them, some of them were growing in their faith, but a lot of them weren't. And so they begin to grumble. And they always begin to pick at the leadership because it's their fault. And so they, they, they begin to argue and fight and grumble. And this kind of upsets Moses. When you are walking by faith, and only people who've been given the task of leading somebody can probably truly understand this. When you're walking by faith, you're expecting God to do something. Mark, could you give me a bottle of water, please? Um, and then you get to this place, and you're trusting God, and then people begin to come on to you like it's your fault. And in that, he's getting real frustrated. Thank you. Uh, because he's thinking about all the things that God has shown them on this journey. And you're thinking sooner or later, it looks like y'all would learn. 
But the one thing I've learned about people, people will always act in the same way. You'll have some that are growing in their faith and growing and walking and trusting God and seeing great things. And then you can have some same people right beside them that never learn a thing from anything they go through. And I can't explain why. Because you can look and see a miracle of God and somebody sees it, they look to it, they hold on to it, and they grow in their faith. And you can see that neighbor right beside them never learns a thing from it. And that's what's happening. The reality of it is a lot of them weren't. And a lot of them were. Really what I think the biggest deal is, they didn't like following Moses. They had their own idea. And they really wanted, some of them wanted to go back because the journey was a little bit too tough for them. And they were looking for a reason. Meanwhile, they grow. So I guess Moses upset and he said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You see, why don't you pray and why don't you asking God to provide the water for you? Because only he could. I mean, you're in, you're in a life and death situation. You're, you're probably six months into this journey. You're going from water hole to water hole. More than likely, they have already ran out of their supply of water. So going back is really not a question. But first of all, God doesn't want you to go backwards. He wants you to go forward. But God's trying to get them to a place that they will look to Him when only He can provide the deliverance. Verse 3, But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Go back a few hundred years. Who have they been praying? What have they been praying for God to do? To deliver them from slavery. God does this. He says, now I want to take you to a place flowing with milk and honey. And yeah, maybe the journey's a little bit rough. But he's got a purpose because this is school, folks. This is, this is the school of life. You're going to go through this journey so that you'll be able to go into the promised land and conquer it because you know I will be with you. That's what God's thinking. You've just got to be willing to learn and follow and do to grow your faith. Because you can't grow. Faith is just not something that falls down on you and covers you up. Faith is something you got to learn. And the only way I know to get faith is you've got to get to an impossible situation, cry out to God, and let God deliver you through it. And when He does, then you've grown some faith. Well, the next journey, the next stop on this journey is a greater test or trial than what you had before. Why? Because you go up a ladder one rung at a time. So you grow in faith 
one step at a time. And when you get so far up, you say, I can go forward because I can look down and see how far God's brought me. But he's brought me here one step at a time. And I don't want to go back. I want to keep going forward. And that's where you have to look at it. But they didn't. They grumbled. So what does Moses do in verse 4? He cries out to the Lord. What shall I do with this people? I'm sure he wanted to know. He said, a little more than they'll stone me. All of a sudden, his emotion now turning on him. He said, God, they're going to kill me. I spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, and now I'm on this journey, and they're going to kill me. And I'm just trying to do what you led me to do. So God's going to give him a good answer. And I like this. He didn't say it to anybody else. He said, Moses, pass through the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. And why would he want to take the elders? The leaders. These are the elders, the, the older men of the family tree, the tribes. Huh? They're respected. They're the most influential. If he can get them convinced, because there's no way everybody's going to say, a million, million and a half people, folks, there's no way. So you're going to want the heads of the tribes. You're going to want the, the people who have influence to go with you, to be right up close. So go through the midst of the people, gather up those that you know, and take them with you. And then I want you to take one thing with you. I want you to take that staff that you struck the Nile with, the staff that God told him to use. I want you to take that with you. That's it. We're not taking a bucket. We're not taking a pickaxe or a hammer or anything else. We don't have a, a, a water well drilling truck behind us. We're taking a staff. That's all you need. All right. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. When you're following God, you do exactly what he says and nothing more. Man, a lot of times, will get in the way. Well, God, I need, I, I need something to, to dig a hole. I need, I need this and that. God, said, God gave him all the directions he needed. Told him what to do. Now, this is the obedience of Moses. He had learned to just trust God. So he takes that, and he said, I will stand before you on a rock. So he said, you're going to go to a certain place, and there's a rock there. I don't know what it looked like. But God says, I'm going to be there when you get there. Because this is where we're going. This is what I'm going to tell you. If you're walking in the Spirit, God will always be in front of you. If he's not, you're in the wrong place because God's always ahead of you. So he's there. And I don't know exactly how Moses knew other than the way the Holy Spirit does. It's just a sense of when you get right where you're supposed to be, a peace comes over you. And God, you can hear God speaking, you're where you need to be. A sense of, calmness and relationship 
And so as God led him to this, he was able to know and understand when he got to this rock. And this is what God said. You shall strike the rock and water will come out of it. That the people may drink. You think he had to have any faith? How much faith did Moses have? Well, I'm saying, folks, you've got to grow in that faith so you know with certainty what God's telling you to do. And then you do it. Because now Moses is out there by himself with a lot of people who hate him and want to kill him. And he's supposed to do strike a rock with a stick. I don't know about you, but I've hit a few rocks with some sticks and I never brought water out of any of them. But he was certain of what God told him and that's why he did what God told him. Sometimes we read through this and just think it's, it's so simple and everything. Folks, apply it to your life. Have you ever been in a place where God led you to some place and then told you he was going to take care of it. If you're facing cancer, you've been on that journey. If you've been without work, you've faced that journey. If you've been in a situation where you were job had no money or no income, you've been there. And God says, I've got this. If you've worked for yourself and you didn't know where your paycheck was going to come from or if you had enough to pay a bill or something, you've been there. And God says, I've got this. You do this and it'll be all right. And Moses did what God told him to do and what happened? We're not talking about a little stream of water, folks. We got a million, million and a half people thirsty, plus a lot of livestock. I'm going to say a thirsty man would drink a gallon of water in a day's time. It'd probably at least a, a gallon. Brad, how many gallons of water does a cow drink in a hot day? How many? Yeah, I was going to say, I've got two calves over here drinking 40 or 50. Huh? We got a million and a half gallons of water needed for the man and the women and the kid. Who knows how many cows were there? Then you got the sheep and the goats. They're not big water drinkers, but they, if they've been walking, they'll, they'll drink. Five, ten gallons in a day anyway. You're talking about a river of water, folks, needing to come from this rock. Yet God provided everything they needed. But you see, God's the one that dried the water up to start with because he wanted it dry. He had already been there ahead of them. He had intentions for them to grow in their faith. 
but he also knew that the people needed to grow a little more in their faith. You're in a world right now that's totally messed up. I'm not talking a little bit. Every day I think I've heard the stupidest, craziest thing I've ever heard of, and somebody shares with me a story that's crazier than the one I heard the day before. I heard this yesterday. Now, I told you the other day, I thought when, when the woman sued mom and dad for having her without her permission, I thought it, it doesn't get it any stupider than that. Boy, was I fool. A guy told me yesterday, and he comes to church here on a pretty regular basis, California has now passed a law that, and I picked on Mike a while ago because his name works good, that if Mike Cobb had a rap sheet 10 pages long, and it, for 30, 40 years he's built up, been a criminal, if he would change his name to Michelle Cobb and legally change his name, we will drop everything he's done for the past 30 years and you start afresh because you're not Mike Cobb anymore. Now, folks, California's kind of overridden with criminals right now. But if you could change your name and your gender and start afresh tomorrow, do you not think that maybe that's going to open the door wide open to a bunch of convicts? Do we not think about what these decisions do? I guess if you've got a warrant for your arrest and you change your name, we drop the warrant because we're going to drop everything else you did. You're a new person. No, it's, it's, you've got to change the gender. It's change the gender. You go from male to female or female to male. Anyway, you... The, only in California could you start start this. Now, the thing is, what starts out there ends up somewhere else. But this is the liberalism. How stupid. Now, now what kind of society are you going to live here in America if this continues to go this way? You see, we're in a, we're in a messed up world. Folks, your rights to be a Christian and stand on your beliefs are not very far away from being taken away from you. Because you stand against those things and already there's, there's hate crimes for speaking again. I could actually be charged in a federal court right now for even talking about this stuff. Where was that law passed? Probably only in Texas. Most of your West Coast and East Coast and others, I mean, you may find a few places, and then that may be challenged in the courts. 
But I, what I'm trying to get you to say is God knows what's in front of you, and he's going to try to prepare you for that. The only way you to prepare is to go through these things and, and let God teach you to have the faith you need to face that. So, so see, God, it, you may think it's hard, but folks, he's preparing you for what's in front of you. Why is boot camp one of the hardest things a soldier will ever do? Because when he gets on the battlefield and he gets an order, he needs to respond to it. And he needs to follow that, not question that. He needs to be in shape to do whatever it takes, and he needs to have the training to do that. So they make it hard. They work them hard. They train them hard. And it's the same way with sports and everything else. You don't want to go into a football game unless you've been trained and taught and in shape. And in some of our days, we had folks, they didn't care what the weather was. Take you a couple of salt pills, which, boy, that cured everything. And you can get you a drink of water when practice is over. Safety was not very high on their list. Toughness was. I've sat there, and I'd work in the hayfield all summer, and I said, they're killing me. I don't know how them guys that sat in the house all summer made it, but I know it was tough on me. And I wasn't in no air-conditioned tractor. I had a seat sitting on top of a hot tractor with the sun bearing down on it. But they made it tough because they wanted you to be in shape. Now put that in your spiritual life. What's God want for you? He wants you to have the faith and the strength and the obedience to go and do what He has in front of you. And to be faithful right to the end. And that's why he does these journeys. If you don't learn it on the first, second, or third try, guess what? You'll get the fourth, fifth, and sixth dose of it. But the, the great thing is, if you'll learn and watch God, you'll see a pattern of him providing and taking care of you. And even if it didn't go like you wanted, he still got you. I'm going to pick on, I ain't going to pick, I'm going to lift up one of our, our sweethearts that left us here a month ago. Y'all prayed for Vicky's healing. We wanted her to be healed. When I saw her last that day, I was not sure that she wasn't going to be. Because she was doing so good that day. But she died. Okay, you didn't get, you didn't get what you prayed for, but what did she get? She's walking with the Lord. Yeah, truly healed. So we don't always get what we pray for, but it was a win-win situation. You got to go through some pain. 
Goldie's got to go through some, and Hannah, they got to go through grief. But the good thing is, we know where she's at. And I promise you, as much as she misses y'all, she ain't going to give it up, neither. She's going to say, y'all hurry up and come on. It's good on this side. But see, God's preparing you for this because your day's going to come. And you need to be ready for that, but you need to be facing it every day. And don't be like the knuckleheads and grumble. I don't know why you got me here. Well, because you wanted to leave and not be in bondage. Now you need to learn to listen. But sometimes we act just as bad as the Israelites if we don't open our eyes and ears to see what God's doing. And we miss the whole show of what God's trying to do because we're a little bit uncomfortable. As I was reading the Fox Book of Martyrs today, I read about, um, I'm trying to remember which one it was, whether it was it's Matthew, I believe. One of them hung on the cross for three days, dying, after he'd been beaten and tortured and hung upside down for three days. You know what he did for three days? There's Thaddeus is who it was. He preached to the people who were there for three days with his dying breath, praising God that he had a body that God could use to bring glory and honor to him. I'm talking about God bringing honor to himself through him. And he encouraged the believers to not be fearful. Now, folks, three days hanging upside down on a cross has got to be miserable. He didn't cry out, help me, get me off here. He used the situation to point people to Christ. Why? Because his discomfort was not relevant to the security of the people his discomfort is what they needed to see and see his faith so that they could face what was in front of them so it wasn't about him it was about them and I promise you when a church looks at others and sees that we need to do whatever you'll be amazed at what God will show you in the midst of it. And that's what he's doing with us right now. Trying to get us to see, trying to get us to have faith, trying to trust him before something greater comes upon us than what's already been. Um, who knows what's coming in the near future finances security you may not have any of that stuff 
if China cut off their deliveries of parts right now, we could go back a hundred years and have to live like your great-grandparents lived. Because they could live without electricity. They could live without running water. They knew what an outhouse was. They knew how to build one. If we're out of electricity for eight or ten hours, we're like, oh, my gosh. And some of y'all were out of electricity for days. But how would it be if we were without stuff for months? Where would we be? Would we cry or would we praise God and say, God, I need some help. And the help that only you can give. Could you lean on your brothers and sisters? You could lean on some of them, but I promise you, your greatest thing that you got in this community is that you live in a rural community where people will help one another. And hopefully stand together and not go to grumbling or fighting, but lifting each other up. Because the government's not going to help you. Barbara and I worked Katrina, and we saw both. Misty was down there in various ones. We saw people that get out there and help one another. And they were surviving. Then I turn around and you see other people sitting around waiting on somebody to come feed them. They literally would have starved to death if somebody had not come fed them because they weren't going to do a thing to do it for themselves. Because in their head, they've, they've gotten used to somebody feeding them all the time. And they would have starved to death if somebody else hadn't have done it because they weren't going to do a thing. And yet, the faithful got up and went to work and began to provide. The faithful showed up down there to bring them help they needed. And, and that was encouraging to them because I saw a preacher and his staff at a church helping everybody but themselves. And I asked him one day, I said, what about your house? Oh, don't worry about it. I said, no, we worried about it. We said, we're going to go over. He had never touched anything. He had gotten his refrigerator out and the rotten food out of his house, but no trees had been cut or nothing else because he was busy up there ministering to the community. I said, we're fixing to make sure some of your stuff gets done because you're worried about everybody else and you're not worried about yourself. Now, that's the kind of people I want around me. That's the kind of people I like to help because he trusted God to take care of him while he was out doing other stuff. Anyway, there's a lot to this little old passage. If you just take a little time and examine it, but it applies to you today. Father, thank you for the words you've written down in Exodus and Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Throughout the Kings, Chronicles, Prophets, there's so much for us to grasp and learn. 
When we're down, we can read the Psalms. When we need wisdom, we read the Proverbs. But throughout your word, Father, we see your character coming out. But we also see the character of men. Mankind in itself. We see those who grow and their faith expand and we see those who wither and pass away because they have no faith. I pray this church will always be a place of faith. A people of strength. Exalting one another and lifting one another up. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If God provides, we'll eat next week. If not, we'll wait till August. But he gave you barbecue for tonight. So enjoy. <laughs>